Oh my god. It's such a happy song. I like this song. Welcome everybody to episode 70 of the Light Shed Podcast. Brandon Ross, Rich Greenfield, and Walt Pysick coming at you with yet another episode as we wind down summer. Brandon, can I just stop you for a second? No. I want to know, what is the process (laughs) that the music pops into your head? Like you woke up this morning and you said Hanson Mbop from 1997. Um, That's weird. Like just weird. I don't know how it, it popped into my head, but for some reason I woke up with that song in my head and then I was like, okay, I guess we'll be using it for uh, the Light Shed podcast. Wait, do you not like that song? I mean, it's obviously something Are you I too proud to like Hanson? <laughs> no, it's just like, I don't think I've thought about that song in probably 15, 20 years. And so Claire, I it's just sort have, of the I randomness. Heard, I must have heard it somewhere. It doesn't just pop into my mind, right? I must it's have heard it somewhere. And then I woke up with it in my head. Of course, I woke up a little earlier than I thought I was going to today, even though I'm like, I'm on the West Coast and staying on East Coast time. So my normal wake up time now is like four. But at like three in the morning, Jesse came and she's looking at me right now, rolling her eyes, but came and woke rolling me up. Rolling her eyes that you normally wake up at seven o'clock in New York? No, no, no. Rolling her eyes uh, that I'm telling this story. <laughs> well, I should have been because, rolling my eyes about you waking up at seven in New York. Dude, I can assure you I am up before all of you and go to bed after all of you. And it's okay. it's it's not for any other reason except for the fact that I don't sleep. Oh, I thought you were spending the evening looking for the wedding ring that got lost. Well, I mean, Rich, you're ruining the punchline. <laughs> basic, but basic, it's not a wedding ring. It's an, it's engagement, an engagement ring, ring right? You're not married but, yet. That's you're not but, married. But yet. Jesse came in and woke me up. It's like, oh, my God, I lost my ring. And I was like, what? OK, so we put the lights on. It was a complete role reversal, because, as you know, I lose everything and I'm always like looking for everything. And then she has to be patient with with me i was very calm about it we took the drain apart all the stuff i said to her why don't you check you know your pockets or something maybe you you know for some reason put into a pocket i checked my pockets fine so then i went to the front desk to like i don't know file a police report or something and she thought because you thought the maid stole it i mean you were basically i didn't know no because i think if you lose something of value like that that it's the maid's fault it's always the maid's fault that was your claim you got to get a police report or whatever um (laughs) anyway she came running out and was like oh it was in my pocket so it actually felt good in a weird way because that's it a complete role reversal i think we're like turning into each other yeah i usually panic and lose you, you stress forget about that you just stress in general for no reason. And so this is just a classic example of it now runs in the Ross household or the two stress. First of all, losing your engagement ring is a reason to stress rich, but it wasn't lost. It wasn't. That's lost. true. It was misplaced. There's a difference it, between lost and misplaced. It, it, it was Words misplaced. Are important. by the way, I highly encourage you guys never to look down the sink hole at a hotel. It is fairly disgusting. That is my that is my advice. Walt tells the cape. Well, I guess that depends on what hotel you're staying at, Brandon. (laughs) And how much you actually spend. Dude, I almost I almost (laughs) just spit up when you said that. Like literally, I almost hurled. I actually I actually I actually knew Walt was gonna say that because I saw this look in his face. And when you work with somebody or know somebody very well for 15 years, you pretty much know exactly what they're going to say um this this hotel room was like 400 you feel bad for jesse i feel bad for me dude i'm just surprised you're not camping (laughs) (laughs) i mean (laughs) just it's incredible i would never though yeah yeah, okay i like the outdoors a lot but i don't i don't like camping Joe just chimed in. What does the drain look like? You're in your apartment, Brandon. 
I don't know because I've put Drano down it like 10 times. So it's probably not that bad. <laughs> okay. We're going to start off the podcast this week with a little bit okay. of comedy because both of them are sort <laughs> because of we didn't on just have some. Yeah. So we'll just stick on the theme of comedy because I'm not really sure what to do with this, but this is an actual Verge tweet. Uh, and it's celebrate Jeff Bezos's big day out to space with a $69 miniature dick rocket. And that's literally <laughs> what they posted. And I just didn't know what to do with it. And so I thought it had to be on the podcast for a second. It's, um, it's a week too late. Yeah, it is a week too late. For episode then, 69. I know. But then we have this one that also fits well with last week's episode 69 because we talked about it. And I don't think we need to say very much, but it's <laughs> it's a tweet from OnlyFans. And it says, Thank you to everyone for making your voices heard. We've secured assurances necessary to support our diverse creator community and have suspended the planned October 1st policy change. OnlyFans stands for inclusion. and We will continue to provide a home for all creators. End of sentence. That's it. So basically, is the question here, was OnlyFans at this crossroads where they could be like, we can have a business and make money? Or we can have investors. I think they, they want to be choose Patreon, one or right? the other. No, I mean, like, I think they want to be Patreon, right? I mean, everyone I when you, when you look at you know sort of safer work creators that have used OnlyFans, they love the interface. It is very easy to use. It's very easy for consumers to subscribe. Like, there is definitely a great underlying product. And so they clearly very, want very, to be- very hard to change brand perception. Almost impossible. You know what this reminded me of, Rich? Tumblr? No. Because you remember, remember that pivot worked out really well. Do you remember when Coke changed its formula? Oh, that's we got Coke right behind us, too. They're the sponsor. Holy the lead sponsor of, they're the lead sponsor of CinemaCon. You know what? Maybe that's what put it in my mind. But remember, like Coke changed its yeah. formula and it was like, oh, the new Coke, da, 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 da. And then there was Coca-Cola Classic like two weeks later. Pretty much. What that, so well. No, it didn't. Well, I mean, you know, it reminds me, someone tweeted out which lasted longer, the only fans plan change or Netflix's Quickster debacle. So, I mean. You know, there's a lot of things where you, you make missteps and you, you realize very quickly that that's not the right you know direction. I think social media only fuels sort of the feedback loop on decision making yeah, but, for companies. But Quickster, they stuck with that radical strategic change. Well, but they broke it apart into two pieces, right? Remember, like there was a meaningful change. It did like going there back was an to- apology video. There was literally an apology video in their little office. Remember in thing. his teal blue shirt, yeah, teal apologizing blue shirt. for doing it. <laughs> so. They still they still wound up tearing the two apart and charging. Just separately. different, but just different than what they were originally planning to do. Yeah, but they stuck okay. with the major strategic change, whereas but in this case, they completely undid it. And in Coke's case, they completely undid it. Let's stick with Netflix and strategic changes. And why don't you read the next slide and get Eatery. into real business? Uh, I don't Speaking think of this is this. Oh, go ahead, Walter. Netflix begins testing mobile games with two Stranger Things titles from Polygon. I, I don't. I don't think. <laughs> Dude, this is this this is going to be our funniest podcast ever because we're all no, like, it's, just, it's, it's end of Listen. summer. No, no, no. It's end of summer. Everybody wants a to be at the beach. Of, of giddy ones. Uh, all right, listen. Um, I don't think this is a strategic change. I think this one is more of an evolution. I mean, Netflix is a subscription entertainment service, and video, the lines between video and interactive media are blurring, as we've spoken a lot about. I think that, and this Netflix test is just the very, very beginning of their interactive ambitions, as as we've spoken about uh, innumerable times. And if you want to rehash what we think Netflix is doing um, from prior podcasts, um, we just, they have a couple of distinct advantages when it comes to, to games. Number one is 
they're not going to have to worry about CAC, which is the biggest cost, especially on mobile game, because they could just put the game right on their home screen, number one. Number two is it gives people another reason to use the app and specifically right now on mobile. Number three, Netflix has always looked for these arbitrage opportunities and content. The fact that they don't have to have microtransactions in their game, number one, or advertising, number two, um, gives them the ability to do take on completely different formats and to engage with game developers who want to create games that don't have that monetization loop um, built into it. And but there's another piece to it too. Like I think the other piece of it, it's not just the CAC, like getting this, getting the the user. The other piece of it is, and I think a lot of mobile games, I mean, think about how many mobile games launch, you love it, you play it, and then you forget about it and you never go back. It's installed on your phone and you forget it's there and you literally yeah. don't go back and play. Here, that Netflix home screen that we just had up, like if you look at that. Oh, home you're, screen, you're, right? you're talking about re-engagement? Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, they have so, the ability. So, my, just- so Rich, uh, my, my belief is that with, with the Netflix games, that talking about that arbitrage opportunity, there's a lot of single player games that begin and and really end that aren't being funded now because because they don't drive continuous microtransactions. And I actually think part of the strategy is going to be to fund those games. And if you think about, I don't know, they they'll have what twenty something billion dollars of of cash content spend, they take 10% of it, take $2 billion even, and put it up annually to pay game developers who are interested in those type of games, whether they're on mobile and eventually when the joystick situation or controller situation is is figured out on the big screen, they could, they, they might, have a resurgence of popularity of certain game types that they could support and others can't. Yeah. I, I, I guys, I was just thinking like when you open up Netflix, what they do really well, right. Is immediately continue watching, right? Like, and so you're thinking about like, they can customize. If you've played a game, they can easily say, Hey, you know, they'll, they're going to know you what part of the game you were in, how far you went. They can decide how often you played. Do they show you a TV show to watch? You know, they've, yeah. done, they've tried things like clips and trailers, uh, trailers, I think, mainly because Walt told them to do trailers after they disagreed with that approach. But now they do trailers. But, you know, now they can it was all like it. It, it was it was Walt. I'm telling <laughs> you, Walt much. was the Walt figured it out before anyone else that they had to do trailers. One of the things um, you didn't really touch upon, though, which I think, Rich, you did a good job at touching on on your podcast with Guy Adami and Dan Nathan was the concept of time spent. And in that podcast, you talked about how, you know, I'm a Disney lover, Disney Plus lover, but I'm there once a week for whatever the latest episode release is. Frankly, Apple Plus is basically the same thing now yep. where I'm getting it once a week. And for, for Ted Lasso, I assume if that's the old, yeah, or whatever that, you know, I like the morning show as well. So whatever the, although after seeing whatever that, whenever it comes show, back, kind of right? Out. Right. <laughs> whatever. So, but the point though is like, if that's the game you're winning and the investors are rewarding you for because you're able to maintain subscribers by keeping on the hook once a week, are you missing the bigger picture of, no, it's not about just keeping you as a subscriber. It's also time spent and that battle that's that's going on and and, and you know creating that. And so obviously something like this right. is creating more sticky stickiness to what the ultimate battle is, is when there's 24 hours in the day, where are you spending them? No, that is at its core what it what it's all obviously all about. Um, yeah, and the games it, have it gives, to be good. It gives no, no, people but the games another reason. It gives people or certain, especially certain demos, another reason to spend time. Yeah, the games are going to have to be good. And I just think it's funny we've how people se- we've are just seen it's very, this. very, very difficult to build game uh, game studio from scratch. Sure. Obviously, they're going to wind up. You know hiring third parties to build in the interim period. But again, they're going to have a lot of cash to do it. Yeah. Let's just step back for one last Hold second. On. Can I just point out, can yeah. I just use yes. this as one yeah. opportunity to yeah. um, complain about something? 
So for our Comcast <laughs> listeners, this is why it's fucking ridiculous that you have me go from Peacock to NBC Sports to whatever other fucking app that you have, rather than keeping me in one ecosystem. It's fucking yes. dumb. Well, Can you please dude, stop that? Wait, wait. How about Disney? Disney Plus, Hulu, ESPN Plus. Does that make any sense? Like no, keep sending you to it, different none apps. Of it, none of it. Makes Does sense. it make sense that I'm at I'm on an Xfinity broadband connection right now? with Xfinity on the television and I couldn't fucking watch a Peacock EPL game because in this particular house, there's no smart TV and I'm not going to fucking hook something up. Like, fuck you. I'm just glad that in an Xfinity household, it's stupid. You're it's up- stupid. I'm it's just stupid glad your media strategy. Is, I'm just glad your upstream is good enough for me to actually see your face, Walt, because I was a little worried barely about that. So a, l- a little end of summer anger vibes. <laughs> no, 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 but 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 let's just. Stu- I just want. I just, do you not I disagree just wanna... that this is just a stupid strategy? I mean, it's 2021, dude. Like, um, what are you doing? What it, are you it, doing? It is so complicated. Rules, licensing, products, all of this is a mess. It's a mess. The consumers, and that's why people are just leaving the ecosystem and going to Netflix. Is it hard, and going to Amazon. It's not hard. It's not hard. These are basic, this is basic tenets of consumers and how, wh- where you want them and how you want to keep them. Like, why is this complex? Because they want you to have the new X1 set top box that comes with Peacock on it or comes with X on it or the new well, flex box. Well, here's a message. You have an older- what you're really going to drive me to in this house, which I can't believe it hasn't happened yet. As soon as they, someone hooks up fiber, bye-bye your broadband. And then goodbye your television service as well. And I just put U2 TV on there. I don't disagree. The, the, the broadband thing is the biggest loss. Of course it is. That's but, the, but, but I just want to finish off on but I just want to finish off on, Netflix on games. Because, yeah, well, no, I have one more point it, no, on no, the games because also. Because the point I was gonna make is remember when Netflix went into the content creation business and everyone was like, Oh, they should go out and buy Lionsgate or they should go out and buy MGM in a studio. Like they can't do this on their own. And they put half a billion and then a billion and then two billion and then yeah. three billion. You know, it's, it's, you, it, it's exactly what I tweeted. Is this like the lily hammer moment, essentially? This is just the beginning, but there's no reason. It, you know, how many game studios but, are but spending a billion or two a year on content but, creation? But here's the thing, Rich. You also, if you're not going to license it out, right? Or not license it out, but contract it out. To build a game studio is not an easy task. Amazon has all of the money in the world, right? Deeper pockets than Netflix. They have tried to build game studio and get and find their way into games in a bigger way than they just also tried for, to build a video switch and retailing them um, on Amazon and haven't been able to crack the code. Okay. And this is out of Netflix's core competency. But just right that I think they need want to and need to build that muscle because of the continuum that we talk about between video and interactive and, you know, and different types of experiences um, that are going to become commonplace in the future, regardless um, of what happens with their game ambitions. But it's not going to be easy. There is a big difference. You've seen a lot of companies add video creation capabilities, studios, but, but not games. I agree. No one has proven that they can do this successfully from scratch in that legacy media world without buying something. You know, even Warner sort of bought a bunch of pieces to put this mean, together. I mean, Netflix also can do MA. It's not really what they do. But we'll see. It's early days. They're going to try and develop the muscles and and, and let's see what happens. Um, okay, let's move on. We could talk about okay. this all day, I'm sure. Of course. But but we're going to stick on Walt's favorite topic of Comcast NBC Universal, where in this case, they actually are doing something amazing, something that I think Brandon and I have been passionate about for a long time, which is taking on Nielsen. And I think this is you know, for many, many years, I'm just going to read this is from the drum. NBCU demands measurement independence and issues RFP for solutions amid Nielsen's scandal. I mean, I think this goes far beyond scandal. This is just Nielsen's inept. 
the data has uh-huh. proven time and time again not to be um, not to be real. You know, just they undercount, miscount, just mistake after mistake. You know, using a panel of homes and trying to extrapolate the data just doesn't work anymore. So Nielsen, or sorry, NBC has basically asked fifty plus companies or asked for proposals. I think fifty plus things have come in, and this is not about getting rid of Nielsen right now. This is about having alternatives to Nielsen. And from what we can tell, a lot of the industry is embracing this. Like, I think if you're sitting at Disney, you're sitting at um, Warner Media, part of AT&T, but soon Discovery, you're sitting at, at Viacom CBS, you want this. You want alternatives to Nielsen. Um, more than anything else, they pay Nielsen crazy. You know, the, the, the amount of money that is spent on Nielsen every year. Uh, per company, the tens of millions of dollars, hundreds for of solutions of that are largely archaic. Correct. And so this is about fighting back, reducing what they spend on Nielsen, which will be great. So that's going to be very negative for Nielsen over time, but then creating real superior alternatives and maybe multiple alternatives. I'm not sure it's one singular alternative, but multiple alternatives. And so I think this is beginning the path to better data for the TV industry. It's going to take time, but I I think we've seen many times before people complain about Nielsen and all they wanted was a better rate. Like instead of jacking us 7%, jack us 4%. I don't think this is what this is about anymore. I think we're past the point of give me a lesser increase. I think they are very serious and I think NBC is committed to alternatives. And I think this is a, you know, sort of something to keep your eye on is how troubled Nielsen's going to be over the next few years. I think this could be sort of, quote unquote, the beginning of the end for Nielsen. Something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, just look at the world of digital advertising versus television advertising and the, the relative limitations and the role that data plays in those relative limitations. That's yeah, it. I mean, just, I mean, the Notre Dame game, right? And I know this is going to drive, this may drive Walt crazy, but like NBC keeps taking more and more content off the broadcast network and pushing it to Peacock. Uh, You know, they pushed obviously a bunch of EPL games. The more content that gets pushed over to Peacock, the more they know exactly who's watching, right? Like they know exactly the measurement data. They don't need Nielsen, you know, know, to measure that. They know on the server how many people watch and for how long and what household watched and generally who in the household is watching. And so the more and more content shifts over to streaming, the Country Music Awards we talked about on the podcast last week, moving to Amazon, the more content that's on streaming, the less Nielsen even matters as as the measurement tool um, going forward. And so uh, this is the beginning. How don't they know that with their ex with the the boxes themselves on regular broadcast? When they have all these new boxes of this new technology, they're not able to figure out and monitor on an aggregated level what, what people are watching. They are. The Comcast are. would be. Comcast there is, could. There is right. box level so, data, of course. So whether it's right. So exactly. So this hasn't become the standard. <clears throat> there, well, hold on. Just the one tweak, just to clarify Comcast doesn't know that Walt is watching versus your wife. That's true. They only know the household data. As Whereas opposed to generally, right. When, I mean, when, you could say the same thing kind of on Netflix, right? So if I don't know, like I, I'm watching Netflix and Scarlet's over and I put on, you know, your, your user Elmo, ID. right under my user ID. They don't know who that who Scarlet is. They don't they know don't. it's my and niece. And cable boxes are also left on all the time. So they stream yeah. all the time, even in the background. When the I mean, there's still, limit, like, there's still limitations relative to mobile, obviously. Maybe who really knows what you're, all you're, what you're watching is Alexa, who can listen and hear when you walk in the room and then hear the programming that's actually getting played. Should we go to the next slide after that little comment? Oh, what a segue. Hmm. That's called a stemmed arrow, Walt. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, I thought we were going to an Amazon slide. No, <laughs> this is rip, getting, rip I mean, this is a special <laughs> podcast. I mean, we're just, it's okay. Let's go. There's Read a tenacity this week that we don't normally have. I feel Read like it there's, out. A, there's a lot of text on this screen for our podcast listeners, but I'll just point out that um, there was another speed test that's out from PC mag this time, Sasha Sagan. Uh, friend of the podcast who um, kind of leads writing up the results of PC magazines, deciding which wireless operator is the best. And another friend of the podcast, Peter Adderton, um, dunks on Sasha saying, this is fine. I wouldn't mind knowing what it actually means to your real consumer experience. 
was the overall consumer experience of downloading, streaming, up and down, access, speed, notifi- notifiable, different on all three carriers. So it, it, it raises a good point, which is that, you know, AT&T, they got the iPhone back in whatever year it was, 2012, I guess, and it hurt their network. And then Verizon deployed LTE and then Verizon kind of always had this perception of the best network. And then since that time, whatever speed test you're looking at, there hasn't really been a ton of differentiation. What, what has happened is T-Mobile and AT&T have closed the gap with Verizon. So where are we today? Like, where is the true differentiation? Churn rates are at record lows, meaning that there, isn't, there doesn't seem to be differentiation. Even subscriber growth is questionable because a lot of that subscriber growth appears to be driven um, by free lines or you know very cheap upgrades of phones. It's a gross, gross ad number. There's not a lot of movement in between the carriers. There was a time when T-Mobile, you know, when they bought Sprint Spectrum, the thought was they could build all this spectrum out and differentiate. But the reality is that AT&T is adding as many customers as as T-Mobile is now. And the revenue growth is even in absolute dollars is is similar. So where's the difference? I mean, do you notice any differentiation other than maybe in Westport, some people will say, well, AT&T works better here. Verizon works better there. Like, No, I mean, look, Walt, you had me, I mean, I guess 18 months ago, you had me switch to T-Mobile. And I'll tell you, I mean, I used to be an AT&T subscriber. I was a longtime AT&T subscriber. I don't notice any functional difference. Which, by the way, that's a huge win for T-Mobile because 10 years ago, Anyone in the suburbs would have been like, oh, well, they wouldn't right. disdain Team, to team to most trash. That was, right. that was right. Right. So under John Ledger and, and that network getting built out, obviously they've hit some bumps with, with, you know, having to digest the shit company that is known as Sprint um, and getting those customers over um, to T-Mobile. Um, so, but like, that's great for them. But like now, is there anyone that you go to and say like, this is truly the highest quality carrier? Do you think that makes it easier for the cable companies to add subscribers because people just don't see differences between any of these networks anymore? Yes, except for the fact that does anyone really like their cable company? Well, as we just talked about, the answer is a definitive no. Although, actually, I should say that I really love Altice now. Fiber to the home, a gig each way for $30 less than I was paying before. I do sort of love Altice right now. Well, without difference, without differentiation, what do you what do you end up doing? You cut price. But what's been happening right. is the opposite in the industry, which is they're trying to add other things at like Disney Plus and, and whatever. And and I think our next slide goes into that, which is T Mobile now is adding something. That is else. a stemmed arrow this time. T Mobile is giving customers one year of Apple TV Plus on us starting August 25th, Magenta, Magenta Max customers. This is their higher priced buckets. Get Apple TV Plus free for a whole year. By the way, anyone that upgrades their iPhone or gets any other Apple device, you get Apple TV Plus free for a year. So that's really not incremental value, I think, for for most people. Um, but look, the bigger the bigger thing here is like if you can't differentiate one way, maybe you add bells and whistles to move everyone to higher rate plans because there's not a lot of competition in the market, and you know that's the end game. But it gets back to the root point of like. Are you differentiating based on one guy having Disney versus someone else bundling Netflix? I think when we had um, Zaz on, he his yep. view was that at some point all the carriers are going to bundle all the different streaming services. So again, where's the differentiation? Well, I mean, look, I think the issue is right. Verizon's now throwing in the Disney triple play. They're throwing in a year of Discovery Plus. They're throwing in. Um, AMC plus, you know, they're throwing in some Apple arcade. Like now you've got T-Mobile giving away Netflix combined with, um, Apple TV plus you've got, wait, what else are we doing? We've got, um, AT&T giving away HBO max. Like it's like, it, it almost seems like right now it's a race to see who can give away the most streaming services. And we haven't seen a lot other than Apple arcade on Verizon, we haven't seen a lot in gaming. It'll be interesting whether that, because you're running out of streaming services to give away. Like, <laughs> you're just, running out of video, so you got to move no, to I, I, video games. And then when we run out of game services, then what do we move to? Well, Amazon Prime subscriptions? Well, well, hold on. There's two things that I stand out. I guess that's out. video also. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I was just going to raise, there's two services that I've identified that really are not partnered, and I can't figure out why. One is Spotify. 
there's there's Apple Music deals out there, obviously, but no one's partnered with Spotify in the U.S., which is interesting, in especially the US, as they get yeah. especially as they get lower price ad supported plans. It seems to me obvious that somebody would do something with Spotify, especially on the ad side. It's yeah, not a and, lot. And by the way, I mean, I don't know how much they care about their stock price, but <laughs> they need they need to accelerate subs to really get the stock moving. Because that's or, that's what investors or, want. Even I mean, look, there is that there is that ad like the ad dollars we have identified as being a drive a real driver of profitability and something for investors to keep an eye on. But at the end of the day, so goes subscribers, so goes that stock. I understand. I'm just saying it's interesting that nobody's partnered with Spotify in the U.S. And then the other one that stands out, which I know, Brendan, you're going to smile. No one's no one has partnered with Paramount Plus, the old CBS All Access. And well, on Spotify, when we asked about that, um, I forget who commented on this, but the comment was, "Well, music, whether it's Apple Music and Spotify, we can argue about one being a better interface, but basically buying the same shit, <laughs> like it's the same yep. songs, True. the same albums." Where there's obviously differences between Netflix and Disney, you don't need you don't need Spotify and Apple Music. It's either or. But obviously, I need Disney and Netflix, you know, or whatever it is. Yeah, I, I just wonder at the end of the day, um, if I were to go after younger consumers, I would say you probably have a younger user base on Spotify than you do on Apple Music. Yeah, hundred percent broadly. Well, maybe if YouTube or your your M- M- v- MVPDs out there actually created a skinny bundle, bundle, then T-Mobile could toss that one in there as well because that's really a shot at cable industry and and even to a certain that's extent right. Verizon, well, AT and T, who are still. But Charlie tried. Char- I, well, I was going to say though, now, but now Dish is going to have their own network. Well, that's I didn't want to really bring that up here and and, and open oh, up sorry. another wormhole. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> but but that's the point, Brandon. Like the fourth guy, there is a disruptor on the come, otherwise known as Dish, who just did a sweetheart deal with AT and T, and is also building the network. And you know, when you have lack of differentiation on the three, when the fourth guy comes in, the fourth guy typically throws hand grenades. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, you looking mean- for him. Well, the other thing is, is just, you know, what what I also find interesting is that the wireless companies all are using these streaming video services, as Walt said, to differentiate because they're quote unquote, not differentiated. No, no, no. Well, I think they, they, just to correct that, Rich, I think the real reason is if I'm Verizon and like, whatever, I'm not really growing subs, I'm, I'm taking my existing sub base, which is the largest in the industry. And trying to move them up to higher rate plans. Yep. So it's not about differentiating, it's about Sorry, moving my poo. existing base up. Now, look, they will also claim, like, okay, yes, but this also is going to maybe bring that marginal customer over. But I mean, honestly, like, who's switching a wireless carrier because they happen to offer fucking Netflix or Apple TV Plus seems or to, Disney it seems Plus? Like so, 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 sorry, where I was bench, Walt, it seems like wireless is just becoming a really shitty business. Um, well, it makes like you a, wonder why, why does why does cable want to be? Well, where I was going with this though is if what the if the telcos realize that they can use these to drive you to higher price plans, higher speed plans, whatever. What's the odds that as the as, as all of the telcos lay more fiber, build out more fiber? You've talked about what T-Mobile's trying to do. You've talked about AT and T doing it. I wonder whether the strategy will be, hey. Can we actually not just provide you faster speeds with fiber, but can we bundle in a few of these services to get you to whatever that fiber price point is? But like, would a T-Mobile throw in some of these services as part of their fiber bill, you know, distinct from wireless? Would they put some of these services and try to bundle these things in as part of their fiber bill? Because the cable companies, you know, Comcast throws in Peacock, but that's sort of not really giving you very much. The cable companies don't really bundle in streaming services. Right. But so that was the original thought of buying that, whatever that company was in Boston, that was a complete failure. Uh, um, oh, God. Oh, um, my God. No, they were in oh Denver, God. though. Uh, well, Denver level, and level Boston. three was that no, no, layer, uh, layer, oh, layer no, three. Layer, sorry. <laughs> no, level three is another shitty company. That, <laughs> they were both it was, sort of fraudulent. CenturyLink right? bought. Yeah. No, not fraudulent. <laughs> no, that, it did not, not at all. That did not happen. No. Um, but, that was a disaster. And it was a box that, that originally they were going to send 
T-Mobile was going to send a layer three box to you, and then it was going to be an LTE connection. And but like, let's let's approximate this to Verizon. Like, Verizon is not putting a nickel into the FiOS boxes that they have for development. Like, yes, they will continue to maintain them because there's some customers that just like to have the physical box in their home. But at the end of the day, Verizon's you know very happy to just pass through a you know Google TV uh, at, you know app to you in order to get you as a broadband customer. So look, if they want to, the the new paradigm is obviously going to be these streaming services with some layer of live TV. So sure, you can throw that in there, but but yeah, I mean, I think they want to offer you whatever you want yeah. on one bill. And look, the value to these and what I think the operators can extract out of the content players, meaning. I think Verizon got some pound of flesh out of Disney um, is, you know, some lowered cost as opposed to just maybe what a T-Mobile Netflix relationship is where Netflix is probably not taking on the chin that much and, and benefiting from a lower churn customer because they're getting direct build through, through T-Mobile. But what we thought was going to happen, right? Like we thought, I mean, this is probably two years ago, right? We thought Verizon was basically just going to kill off Fios and say, you know what, if you want video, take YouTube TV. We thought there was a much larger partnership going, and it never really materialized. Um, you know, it was sort of tied to, at that point. They sort of only did it with five G home, and even that never really went anywhere. Like, I keep waiting for someone to say, "Why are we even in this crappy video business? Just take one of these streaming services because it well, helps okay. our broadband." There, there have there have been cable one or there's yeah, small Cabo. cable companies. That, I know, Cabo. but it, yeah. it's happened. I mean, but they don't bundle in obviously these. The, the math was a little bit different for them because they don't you know, have the scale to get the right programming rates. Right. Right. Um, but of course, eventually, if programming costs keep going up, if, 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 um, there's right. going to be a crossover line where it makes yep. sense not to carry um, your own video anymore. But the massively scaled players, which dominate the industry, that's probably going to be a while. There's still... Um, EBITDA contribution that's being generated from the video business. And you have the stickiness thing, which is the argument, I guess, that Charter and others are using for being in the shitty wireless business. Right. I would the just stickiness. love to see more the, 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 would... They don't report. <laughs> yeah, the, of that term, they don't report. Yes. <laughs> it, it's always going down, though, Walt. It always goes down. It never goes up. Every, 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 never investment, gone up. every investment the cable makes reduces a churn, the metric that they don't report. Isn't that convenient? No, no, it's amazing. Yeah. Actually, it's, it's we're losing amazing. money, but our churn is going down, and <laughs> we're, and we're directly attributing that churn going down to, and we're break even before pretty much every cost. <laughs> like, forget about the actual free cash flow. We're we're break even if you exclude, you know, servicing the customer. Well, everyone is adjusted, Walt. Adjusted this, adjusted that. It's like it's like the WeWork uh, community adjusted EBITDA. <laughs> Did you see that tweet I sent out this week with looking oh, at the free cash with flow the word is adjusted? going up? To, oh, that was hilarious. How did we not include that in the podcast? Uh, maybe we'll put that at the end. I'll see like, if we can add like, that to the end. Like it was who so had, good. Like yeah. who had I'll, the I'll see if I can word bring it up adjusted used, used most. That okay, was let's move on to Apple. Awesome. Brandon, why don't you read this? Okay. This is from our friend Benedict Evans. Oh, Apple will now, parentheses, setting settling a lawsuit allow developers to tell users about other payment methods this is a big change um big then, is in all caps by the way yes that's why i tried to emphasize that with big did i do a good you, job yes uh, yeah I, <laughs> um and then mg siegler responds yeah breaking it down this is a press release about almost nothing a lot of phony speak touting non-concessions now look, those are two very different takes <laughs> i yeah I, I as always i think the truth lies somewhere in between there is movement here on apple's part i know it's only over email but for once those who are in the app store can tell their customers um, to, you know, go somewhere else in order to pay for the service and not have to pay the tax. Um, so there is some movement there. But Walt, I know you're going to give the counterpoint. Yeah. How often do they actually catch someone doing that? Or, or are they really monitoring that? There's a lot of things 
in life's in TNEs that exist in any subscription that we have that technically are not permitted. The question is how much is it actually enforced and how much was Apple actually enforcing this aspect of what they're, you know, giving up right now. That's and that's not plus, clear. It's I mean, if you're if you have the app downloaded, it's just so much easier for the consumer, you know, once you're already there to and you have the choice between both, right? To pay through the app store. That's it. I mean, what are they gonna do? Send you like a piece of snail mail saying, Hey, there's options beyond the Apple App Store to pay. Oh, they're gonna send an email. Spotify. But how do they know your email? email? How do they know your email? You have to register first. Like, how yeah, would they I mean, actually even know most dude, most apps you register at this point? That data collection process is pretty, you know, selection in app owner. What's the hit rate of the people that they actually email for those that they have? Like, I don't know. Like, because it has to still be the same price, right? Whatever. It's uh, this is not big. Sorry, Benedict. Doesn't seem big to me. And it also seems quite reactionary. Thursday afternoon, already facing a lawsuit. It's just like, oh, this was a lawsuit settlement. I mean, the big one is obviously still hanging in the balance, which is epic. So I guess maybe the, maybe the read here is here's what's big about it. Maybe this is what I missed is if this all they had to give up and whoever was on the other side settled it then like <laughs> that's a win for Apple. Yeah, I guess in that scheme it is for sure. They settled and you don't you still don't get to advertise your other payment options within the app. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, that is big. That's a big fucking win. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's an in between, right? You could still advertise them directly. It's just it looks at email. How, what's the conversion ratio going to be if it's not actually in the app? Email is turning into the out. new email is turning into the new voicemail in terms of things ignored. No, uh, that's text is the new email in terms of things. Yeah, ignored. I, know. I have fifty nine thousand four hundred and six unread emails. If I told Afraid you to ask many, what Brandon's are, I'm zero. Want to know? But that's just one because I've actually read them all. You oh. just delete them. Microsoft yeah, Outlook is not responding. I have four. <laughs> I have four different. I have four different inboxes. I mean, like, I, I know. Right. It's just it's so, too much. I'll tell you. In my Gmail, I have thirty-four thousand three hundred and forty-four unread emails. In light chat, I have 1,441. If I haven't responded to you, don't feel bad. I don't understand why they they don't email me. That's the highest level for me now. The email I don't understand why I haven't gotten yet is why the warranty on my car is about to expire. (laughs) Because if they just email me, then yeah, I'd, I'd totally go for that. Oh, I get that text now too. Do you really? Yeah, it's horrible all right keith a grossman blue check who runs mark. time magazine who runs time magazine and is a friend want, of the pod used to i be wanted Bloomberg to point out that he had a blue shed. that he had a blue check mark yeah he does because keith's been very good to light <laughs> shed over the years okay whatever celebrate the life and work of dr martin luther king jr in a metaverse experience by time and the community members of fortnite game creative march through t- time immerses players in the entirety of the monumental I have a dream speech and its history. Okay, so when we talk about these quote metaverse because we're not in the metaverse, these metaverse um, platforms such as Roblox and Fortnite and Minecraft, we have to say, we again stress that they are more than just games. They are interactive experiences. And we've seen Roblox is probably the largest collection of mostly UGC interactive experiences where not everything has a game objective. And you've seen Fortnite also go in this direction, most famously with their concerts. And you're going to see a continuation of new interactive, deeply immersive experiences on all three of those platforms. Now, Roblox is probably the furthest ahead in building out scale in those type of experiences because they have the UGC 
um, engine running. That's what they're built on. Fortnite Creative is behind in terms of the breadth of experiences, but there has also been not just that the tools, the tools for developers. I think even more so than the underlying infrastructure. Well, they're not there. Well, those are the underlying infrastructure, but they Fortnite Creative isn't fully open yet, right? But there is great depth. So breadth and depth, right? The depth of the experiences that are created using the Unreal Engine and um, those that Epic has supported on their platform um, have been amazing. Travis Scott concert is the best, even though you know it was like pre-shot, whatever, is the best of those experiences. And sounds like this one is probably going to be pretty cool too, and a preview of what's to come in 3D interactive media. But, but the, the key, right, is just it's less about gaming and more about experiences. Like, That's it's just exactly what I just said. Yes. Right, it's just continuing that march. That's the key. Was that a pun? Now, well, I was going to just call an audible and just we could dunk a little bit for a second because I wanted to know if this was the metaverse. Because Facebook did unveil um, over the last week that we can now work. We could have we could actually have our work meetings in our VR headsets. Yo, who the hell wants to use Zoom? This is what I don't know. Who the hell wants? All right. So can I admit something? I heard, I heard it's a pretty positive experience. But I have a VR brain. I think you have one. We should try it out. Yeah. See what it's like. The 3D audio apparently is very good. And, All right, know, we we can try it out. But sometimes I look down when I'm typing. I won't yeah. be able to look down while I'm typing if I have that no, you headset. Can. On. You you have your you oh, have you your computer it. You screen. You can see the keyboard when you're in this <laughs> world. Facebook. I don't know what they're calling it, but you can see your computer screen, and no one else in the virtual world can see your computer screen. That's pretty awesome. Unless and you and your it. keyboard. I'm sure you and can your see keyboard, keyboard too yeah. when you occasionally have to look down for something yeah. like we that. We try it. You know? Unfortunately, there's no way to record it, right? We can't record it to show no, off you, what the experience looks uh, like, can we? I think there was, I think when Ben Thompson had some pictures from his experience that he had in, in a face, what are, they, what are they calling it? Facebook groups, metaverse, something? Uh, they're calling diverse. it uh, VR work meetings. The metaverse is. We'll see. I'm a little skeptical of wearing a headset to do work, but maybe I would I'm, like. To maybe do... I'm jumping to a conclusion. If you wear a headset first... and a mask at the same time, then your entire face can be covered. Is there a Soho house in the metaverse that we can do uh, <laughs> a group meeting talking about the metaverse? That was well, really good. The metaverse is. I can move on to the next slide. So oh, there's yeah, sex wor- or, I, there are sex workers in the metaverse. <laughs> Getting back one to OnlyFans. One of my um, um, CinemaCon was this week. We've got a couple oh my of God. CinemaCon, for those listening, is where the movie exhibitors all get together to talk about this the is, this is of called, the industry. This is called Back to the Future. This as, is definitely as we back move to from the slide to slide. We're going back to the 50s now from the future. So we've got two tweets up here. One is from Jason Garasio saying, kicking off CinemaCon 2021, Sony President Josh Greenstein says, debuting movies in theaters and in the home simultaneously is devastating. Uh, getting Gets a huge roar, promises theatrical exclusivity of its titles. And then Aaron Couch has a tweet saying NATO's John Fithian, uh, the National Association of Theater Owners, if you were wondering, not NATO, the military or the country organization. Really? Correct. National Association of Theater Owners. I've been mixed up. I thought this was a a global issue. Yeah. No, no, I know. John Fithian at CinemaCon. Theatrical windows won't be what they were before, but they can't be what they were during the pandemic either. Let us be clear about one thing. Simultaneous release does not work. Um, well, it doesn't work for theater owners, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't work. For well, this is the National Association of, the- of Theater Owners. Yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't work for yeah. them. But the, the amazing no thing was. Move on. <laughs> no, no, no. Because the, the one thing I wanted to talk about within this is who didn't show up. The biggest studio in the world did not show up. 
Disney. Disney sent somebody, didn't send anyone, did not show up. Uh, they will obviously say it's tied to COVID and not wanting to be there. I mean, it was sort of comical. The Anyone who attended CinemaCon had to be vaccinated or show a negative test, and they had to wear a mask for the entire indoor event. Meanwhile, theaters are open, trying to fill seats, struggling to fill seats, not requiring vaccinations or tests and not requiring masks in most locations. So it's just sort of the irony of the convention in Vegas um, that took place. But, you know, look, the, the big question is going to be over the next couple of weeks, we're going to get a big data point really as we move into September, two big ones. One, the new Marvel movie only in theaters coming next Friday, Shang-Chi. Uh, and then a few weeks later, at least supposedly still being released exclusively in theaters is the next Bond film. Um, Shang-Chi as a new property will be harder to judge. Bond, obviously, since we all know what bonds do in terms of, you know, high hundreds of millions near a billion, be very easy to judge how well that film does versus prior franchises. Still seems crazy to put out theatrical exclusives, but we'll see uh, what happens over the next few weeks. One side note uh, on my Oculus 2, Netflix does have an app where you do go in and it looks like you're looking at a massive movie theater in the Oculus app in Netflix. And, and have you tried to watch an actual full show? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I what don't do you know. think I, I watch a 30 minute show. I watch yeah. some more. I, I, I appreciate more of the interactive stuff. Like you can go into like rando clubs or some YouTube 3D or virtual apps that are that are kind of interesting. But yeah, like I think there's to what you just said, like I think there's far better uses like fitness and other things that are interactive or, or just unique experiences. I don't know, sitting with a headset to watch what is a, makes it feel like a bigger screen versus just sitting on my couch. I don't know. I, I, well, I, I think, I've done I think it. if there's a way if there's a way to modify it to um, have the screen be fully immersive as opposed to just you're sitting in a theater looking at what appears to be a, you know, a 400 inch screen or whatever, whatever it is. Like there was a there was a, a product I remember they have for video games where it would display the edges of the video game on the walls surrounding your regular TV. So like you can clearly do something like that within a virtual world. So if they did that, then sure, then that might make it more interesting. Back when Facebook bought Oculus, Brandon and I did a bunch of meetings out on the West Coast with investors. And the, the example that was always cited is like, we went hey, to like be every great? VR company uh, ever. Uh, 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 Remember I, that? But, but, but my point <laughs> where I was going with this is like the, the holy grail at the time was imagine sitting at the sitting in your living room, watching the Super Bowl, and all of your best friends from all around the world are sitting next to you in this virtual space, and you're all sitting in a box virtually, and you can literally, you know, you can see Brandon's avatar sitting next to you or whoever it is, and like you're all watching the game together. It never really the concept never went anywhere, but that that was always held out well, as like I mean that's imagine that's, those isn't that what things. Facebook's basically doing, starting with the meeting room. So rather than being Correct. a meeting room. You'll be sitting in the stadium. You're just layering in the content of whatever you're filming in that stadium. So we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. Um, sports. That is what we call not a segue. business. Oh, there's not. There's. There's <laughs> no. If I got all my Eagles friends, and could we virtually watch a Colts game? And if we booed, could Carson hear us booing from the stands? at Colt Stadium in this virtual world. You know, he's not playing, so there's no reason to Well, boom. no, he's back, he's back on the field now. You know he has oh, that microphone? He? I didn't you even they, see that. You know they, they communicate with the, the <laughs> sidelines? If we could somehow hack into that and in our virtual world all get together and then just boo him as he's playing? Can you, well, can you give, can you give a boo? <laughs> give me your best Philly boo right now. Don't worry. Just give me a couple weeks into the season, <laughs> and, and that'll be our opening. Our opening for those, song for those who haven't been to um, a, a sporting event with Walt, he is Philly to the max. Well, I don't throw batteries, but I do boo. <laughs> I don't throw batteries. <laughs> well, okay, not to the max, <laughs> but he is a what? true Philly sports fan. I'm kind have of you a ever, Philly sports fan. Too, have you I ever guess. dressed up for Halloween as the the mascot of the of the Flyers? Gritty, gritty. Yeah. Have no. you ever been gritty? No. I, you I kinda, feel like you that would be like a like Halloween gritty, That's where I was. That's where I was going. Well, I was going that Walt's a little gritty. Like, I mean, I think right. gritty's a little more fun loving than Walt is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> gets after it. Okay, sports, let me read this from the sports channel, business Brandon. Journal, not channel. 
Um, Barstool Sportsbook launches in New Jersey. Barstool Sportsbook has, quote, quietly launched its seventh and biggest state yet, New Jersey, per LSP report. A pop-up says the sportsbook is, quote, only available to the first 500 people during its soft launch. Okay, so seventh state for Barstool. And I think it's time to take a step back and assess where Penn's sportsbook, um, mobile sportsbook, Barstool Sportsbook stands at this point. And they are certainly lagging behind the two giants in FanDuel and DraftKings. Which was expected. That That was expected. That was expected. But it seems like there are limitations that Barstool has. They do have their their stoolies who are generally younger and pretty passionate about the brand, but they haven't been able to really broaden um, out the audience to take massive market share in any of the markets that they've really launched in. Um, And I think a lot of this comes down to them probably being surprised by the amount of spend, um, promotional spend, that the big books are willing to commit. And I mean, hopefully this acquisition of the score is helpful in sort of broadening the funnel for them. Obviously, it gives them technology to do some of the things that they haven't been able to do in the past. But at the end of the day, we talk about sports betting being an eventual oligopoly. Who is going to exist in that oligopoly? We know DraftKings and FanDuel are going to be two of them. And the third one, um, and this is going to maybe come out of left field, but a company we talked about last week on the podcast might be Fanatics, who was recently valued at $18 billion. And let's think about what you know Fanatics has done. They hired Matt King, who used to run oh, FanDuel. Well, first of all, where did Fanatics get its start? They got their start in merch, right? Like they uh, dominate in, in, merch. Yes, they absolutely dominate merch across all of the all of the major sports, but let's put that aside because we'll tie it in in a second in the like, but for right now, just setting it up, they also bid for one of those New York licenses in addition to hiring Matt King. So they're definitely um, going to get in sports betting. They dominate the merch world. Um, Are they out there trying to build the Amazon of of sports rich where well, they just they, destroyed where, they just destroyed tops right like they just literally yep, blew tops out of the water yep so they're not now they're gonna own where, the trading but, card market right so now you have merch and trading cards which which are places where you can make money and is the rest about kind of widening the funnel um to to drive purchases and what does that mean beyond sports betting do we start to think about or talk about them potentially getting involved in in sports rights um, and or network business, RSNs, ESPNs. It's of the a world. very different, it's a very different approach than the zone, right? Like the zone basically started off and they're just trying to buy rights like from a standing start. Yep. This is a, a sort of a sports company that started with other parts of sports, sort of totally unrelated commerce. To, sure. Commerce, commerce related where there is real margin for them, right? And it just like Amazon, Amazon sells <laughs> um, items and they have Prime Video, et cetera, to drive that sell, drive subscriptions around it. What is this company, Fanatics, going to build to do the same? I think we got to get Fanatics on Lightshed Live. That's my goal. I 100% need to get Ruben on on Light Shed Live. I want to meet Ruben. I've never met is, him. I've, I'm fascinated by the guy. And, he, we, and I kind of want to go to his Hamptons parties at some point. <laughs> I just want to sit with him at a Sixers game. That wouldn't really excite me. What? Um, not, I don't really like the Sixers. No. <laughs> but <laughs> um, nonetheless, I think they are an under-talked-about company. And stay tuned for more. Let's uh, shift gears. Um, we're going to pull a, a quick change over to Ardoff, Walt, one of Walt's favorite topics. Take it away. Yeah. Well, this podcast is running really long, so I'm going to keep this, try and keep this as quick as possible. But um, Ardoff, which was driven by former 
Chairman Ajit Pai, um, which is basically taking USF funds over the last 10 years and then trying to get people to fund build outs in areas where there's no broadband. It's been kind of a debacle because they didn't really qualify any of the bidders. And one of the, the number one bidder is this company, LTD, which was supposed to get a billion, over a billion dollars of funding um, from the government. Like everyone thought it was a joke from the get go and go, oh, no, I'm going to build, I'm going to build. And now there's some problems with their applications because they're coming under and he's blaming it on the lawyer. Basically, the, the oh, it's the lawyer screwed up. He told us he was doing stuff that he didn't do. The lawyer ate my homework. But it's just kind of underscores um, the government attempting to, you know, re- eliminate the digital divide. RDOF's kind of a disaster. It's part of this infrastructure bill that we don't have a lot of terms in and and just you know net neutrality is another one of these concepts that kind of get injected into there and just to state for the 15th time you know president biden you know had this executive order to say let's do something on net neutrality and he still hasn't put up uh, or nominated a fifth commissioner um for the fcc so they can't really do anything so the whole thing is just kind of eight months now eight months eight months eight months Yeah, and and the Ardoff thing ended in December. So similarly, it's been a lot of time, and and there's been and there's been no movement. So I don't know if we need to debate this. It's just has there pathetic. been any speculation? Have you heard anything out of DC about like? The I think there was some commentary that that Gigi Sohn um, was going to be nominated as a commissioner, and that kind of faded. You know, Gigi like us speaks her mind, and I guess yeah. people in DC don't want people that speak their mind and get shit done. They'd rather have, I don't know, like, I'm not going to name names, but. But, like, but that was so, a couple of months ago. Like, I feel like we haven't heard uh, much in the last couple of months. I think it was a month and a half. So maybe you they know. tried and that didn't work. But like, it's kind of silly at this point that you haven't even nominated someone. So I don't know. What embarrassing. It is embarrassing. It is. It, it, it's, it's embarrassing. Next. Um, so. Quick tech crunch. This is a quick one. TikTok expands Spotify. Sh- sorry, Spotify. Shopify <laughs> partnership. <laughs> Shopify partnership pilots TikTok shopping in the U.S., U.K., and Canada. You know, nothing shocking here, but just this continued collision between content, marketing, and commerce, and everybody is trying to that holy grail and live and live and the theme of live stream video, which is making its way from the east to the west. Correct. Uh, sorry, and there's no live doubt stream video shopping, shopping. I should say. I forgot the most important word in there. That's it. No. And we knew about this. It's been up on the job boards, which had been pointed out by multiple people um, for TikTok for a while. And now it's kind of coming to a head. That's it. Look, this is going to be a big category. And I think you're going to see more and more of it going forward as you have these eyeballs and you're looking for ways of giving advertisers new ways. I mean, going back to the whole Linda Yaccarino thing at at NBC, right? Measurements broken, everything's shifting to streaming. In the streaming world, you don't have to just run an ad. You actually can drive an action. And I think that's, look, it's literally why Instacart, we've talked about, you know, Carolyn Everson and Fiji Simo going from Facebook over to Instacart. Everyone is looking at ways that you can drive transactions off of advertising directly. And I think this is just another great example uh, of TikTok getting more involved. Um, we've got, um, I'll just move over to, uh, and we've got two last quick slides. One is on China, just celebrities disappearing from the internet as China moves against fan cultures. The Variety article, it's you know literally you know major stars of China uh, content just literally being removed. But the other thing that I wanted to sort of tie into this we're also seeing U.S. films having a much harder time getting into China. And, you know, we've seen sort of the China crackdown on tech that everyone is sort of worried about. I'm just growing more and more concerned with U.S. entertainment companies' access to China. You know, the fact that Disney movies are not getting quick release dates in China uh, is definitely concerning. I mean, you think about a movie like F9, the movie just broke 700 million worldwide. I think more than 250 of it was from China. So China remains in like a critically valuable or critically important market for the, the movie industry. And it does feel like every day China's clamping down and making it harder and harder for non-Chinese films to be even, I forget about flourish, just be in China, which is a big I mean, problem for movie studios. Let's back up 10,000 feet. Bigger, bigger story here. China in general, what they're doing and the fact that we're pulling out of some countries to, you know, refocus our country's efforts 
on China and, and overall um, redeployment of strategy. Like this story is not going away. Like you know, these China stocks are, are you know, continue. Although I know some people have bought JD or whatever it is um, after the last report. Good luck with that. Um, you've seen yeah. soft SoftBank stocks off twenty five percent. You know, primarily because their investments in Baba and Didi have been fucking shit shows. Um, let's just point out one company, major player in the S and P five hundred. Apple has sold a shit ton of product into China. So if this continues to kind of escalate um, and things, you know, more dominoes kind of fall, that's just one, you know, one to keep an eye on. They're sending, selling a ton of product there. Do we have to be worried about TikTok getting kicked out of the U.S. again? Especially, <laughs> especially with what happened with Huawei, right? Well, didn't TikTok get, just get some, someone oh. on their, one of their boards? The, the, the parent company, the Chinese version or the Chinese of version Dance. of ByteDance now has a government official from China on its board of directors. Pretty cool. It's bizarre. <laughs> what it is. Next. Um, we got our last slide and I was able to grab it for everyone just so we could have a little bit of fun to end the podcast. So this is the tweet we were talking about. I, I can't pronounce the name. Walt, why don't you go ahead? I have no idea. Mikey Cascavalli um, says the word adjusted. Used. How did you do that on the fly? Wow. I mean, it's some type of Scandinavian. I've covered Nokia and Ericsson, whatever. Okay. The Fantastic. word adjusted used in the last latest 10K annual reports. Amazon has used the word adjusted two times. Apple, 13 times. Skills, 27 times. <laughs> Nicola, 34 times. And DoorDash, 114 times. We should start monitoring the oh number of times companies say lean in. Or, or as one of my competing analysts says, can you unpack this whatever data it is by the way those of you follow me on twitter yes i am trolling another sell site analyst every time i tweet hashtag unpack because he uses it in every fucking conference call that we go on which sell site analyst is that it would be michael rollins that's who it is you're getting trolled. I mean, but you know what? We're, we're into naming names these days. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Like, stop saying unpack. Like, think of a new word. Can you give me more details? Can you, you know, I don't even know. It's the little things that get under your skin, isn't it? Why are we playing this song? Apparently, this it's the, the song, song of the summer. Of the summer. Well, and it's true. the end of summer. Or almost. I like seeing, like... A bunch of dudes sing this song on TikTok. They look like morons. <laughs> it also sort of, it does tie. I forget the episode number. But remember, she, Olivia 70. actually had, she actually had, the, no, no, but I'm saying when we first talked about her, she had the fastest, you know, basically TikTok is what drove her to stardom very quickly and became the fastest rising star on Spotify, TikTok, Apple Music ever. The TikTok. TikTok was clearly the app of the summer. And this is the song of the summer. So as the summer winds down and next week will be our Labor Day weekend episode. Why not? Have a great weekend, everyone. That's episode seven. See you next week.